I'll start off with this. I guess my hope today is we're going to talk about life. I'm going to talk about a little bit about life. I share. I'm funny. I'm I, I move around a lot because I'm not, of course, you know it, in a pulpit on a steady basis where I can like one, two, three points, a poem, pray for you, bless you, and on your way you go. You know, I'm not like that. I'm kind of erratic and around everywhere. I was glad to hear someone after the service. I don't look for accolades. I don't. I don't necessarily, I like it when people say things good, you know, you're in the right, but one of them said, um, people just can relate to you, and I'm, I started thinking after she said that, wow, I wonder what they mean by that, they can relate to me, the funny, crazy parts, or the serious parts, but uh, I guess I want to share your heart, this is where I'm at now, I'm, people accuse me of being 39, 40 next year, and that's why I am where I'm at, wanting a motorcycle and considering the real thoughts of life and what we do and is it right, and I have two little boys, and I don't want them to just grow up and get a job and just go on in life. I don't care if they stay at home and do what they love, and what they love doesn't afford them to have a home or something. It won't be comfortable at my house if they're old, but because uh, they'll be doing most of the work. But uh, that's just there. Today, I hope that you today. What I hope is, I didn't do this for the last service, so it's better for you this time. Um, I hope that you think about your life. I hope that you don't look back with regrets. I'm blessed that I, I I look back and see where I wished, but I didn't, and I don't live with regrets. I don't I don't wish I could go back, um, and I hope you don't. I know it seems to me in my life, females are a little worse about that than men are. And uh, um, I just pray that today you consider your life where you're at, what you enjoy, what you love, and what would God allow you to do different to have a more rich life. I don't know about you, but my life at times has seemed mundane. It seems every day. I get up at 5, I get home at 6. I lay brick or block that, during that time. I come home, I shower, we eat, I play with the boys, talk to babe a little bit, we go to sleep, uh, we go to bed, we read a little bit of the Bible, we pray a little bit, do with the kids, we all go to bed, and we wake up the next day and we do that again. On my way to work, I shut the radio off, you know, and I, and I um, talk to the Lord, or, you know, and it's just the same. And I don't know about you, but we can all get in that where we're stuck in a rut in life. I would encourage you to do this. I would encourage you to... Become friends with a sinner. I didn't say this to the last group, but I would encourage you into that, to do that. I would encourage you to really get outside of what is really comfortable to you and go be a part of that. One of my greatest friends, sometimes, I wouldn't say greatest friends, one, because a friend is a rich relationship, but one of my greatest people that are not saved that i in contact with, sometimes I'll call him. I can't understand half of what he says because his tongue's about this big from being under the influence of something, and uh, he'll curse every other word, talk vulgar, and uh, but then I've had times where he's called. I've got two friends, just a lot. They're just both just like that, and uh, and but then there comes times they'll call me in a, in a, in a crazy addicted mess. But they say, "I love you, I love your family, I love." Hey, man. Let me tell you, your life's full of adventure when that happens. I heard a pastor a while back at a meeting. He said that he owns the house they live in is a duplex. They rent the other side out, and they rent. They, and he feels like God told him to only rent it to, to non-believers, people that don't believe in Christ. He says so sometimes in the middle of the night, he gets a knock on his door. Hey, preacher, can you come over? He said they're in a drunken mess. They've been fighting, fist fighting. Just booze everywhere, and, they, and they'll start crying and talk about how terrible they are to one another and would he pray for them. And he loves it. He's ate up by it. So if your life's a little mundane, a little same every day, uh, maybe you'll get into something like that, and I would challenge you to because um, if, we do, if I had a picture and could do it backwards, we as Christians, the ultimate thing we want is life transformation. How many of your lives have been transformed because of the gospel? And most of the time that comes, the one step before that is a relationship. Not because people have picked up a, I don't even have one today, have picked up a Bible and read it and read it and read it and didn't know anybody that lived this way. Very seldom does it ever happen somebody just reads a Bible and go, wow, there's a God and believe in it and trust him. Oh, can it happen? Yes, it very well can happen. We know that. It only takes God to change a life. But most generally, that life transformation comes from the step before that, which is a relationship. That person who 
your life was transformed because you've ran into somebody else that have experienced that some way. And we as church builders know that the step before that, a lot of times involves getting them serving. So if we can get you to serve in ministry, you'll run into relationships which will transform your life. Uh, So today, my hope for you is that you just consider your life. You don't look back with regrets. You don't get too down on yourself. You and your wife will look at each other in a different way maybe. Where are we at? Where are we going? What's our plans? Me and my wife kind of, we talk for this first week or two of the year. We'll talk. She asked me the other day. I've always done it the years before. This year, she looked at me. She says, so what's going to be different this year? Do we always make it by the end of the year? One of Jeanette's blogs was like that the other day. She's hoping that by the end of the year you said these things. And I hope they do. I can remember what Nancy Carter and Mary Mord prayed over me to New Year's Eve. If you didn't come to New Year's Eve service, you know we have communion and prayer. I can remember, I think it was Mary Moore too, or Nancy, and maybe it was Nancy and Jim and Belinda. What they prayed over me, and I can remember that. And I think back at the end of the year, New Year's, a year later, I think, wow, did that happen? And wow, if it didn't happen... Whose fault was that? So I would just want to, we're going to go through some quotes today about life. I'm going to share some scripture with you, and I just want to encourage you. But I I thought about this, things that concern me. Some things are, just to let you know a little bit about me. I think it's just kind of funny. You all are looking at me. You're not, and anyways, things that concern me. Uh, I talked about this first service. Uh, This thing where the young kids, see, like today I'm supposed to be like this. Oh, my white shirt's supposed to be untucked too. I'm supposed to be like this. You know, I just, it's called a Texas tuck. Oh, okay, yeehaw, you know what I say. <laughs> but anyways, things, that kind of concerned me, I don't know. It was just weird. I've tried it, you know, I tried to dress cultural. You notice today I've got straight legs on. I was raised in that. I guess I was born in 69, but really as far as fashion went, hit me in the 70s and 80s. And so I didn't, I was a little too young for the 70s, but I, I knew the polyester and I had the suits and everything because we visited church when I was a kid. Uh, but I was 80, so I was a straight leg kind of guy, and that's just who I am, and that's how I do And I tuck my shirts in, at least the clean white one. Uh, I, I'm thinking, don't they know, can't they make their mind up whether to tuck that thing all the way in or just leave it? Oh, but their belt's nice, so they want that to show, but it's just on a lighter side. But um, another thing that kind of concerns me is expectations. Been guilty of this, putting expectations on things. Um, just as Christians, what we ex- how we put expectations, and, and sometimes we as human beings can be tough on people. That concerns me. Uh, people of addiction in soft churches, I probably, I haven't done it yet, but I guess I'll get a hold of Thomas. I noticed that other people on staff here blog, and I don't, and I'm just learning now to read blogs and look around on the net, but I, I could probably write some interesting, funny blogs, and one of them would probably be as uh, ad- people of addictions in soft churches. Uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess being a person of some addiction before I met Christ and living such a rough lifestyle, how, how, I mean, God, I came into a church and it just, I just, I remember being a 22 years old and no driver's license. And now officially in one day, God so cleansed my life, deciding that I'm going to follow everything to the T and obey the law and not drive for two years and being 22 and, oh, ask somebody out on a date, and but you got to drive. You know, that's not very manly. And just how soft my life became wearing dress clothes. I used to wear, you know, cowboy boots. I used to look like Dwight Yoakam, you know, skinny and uh, cowboy boots with them pulled down over my heel and wife beater on and maybe not on, maybe tucked in my back pocket, you know, and a beer bottle in the other hand. But after I got saved, I came to a church and just how soft things are and how ladies want their men to come to church and just sit and listen and be faithful to that and how men want to hunt and and be men of the outdoors. And I think sometimes there's some confusion on us serving the Lord and and in those things, doing what we want to do. And I don't know, so that kind of concerns me. Um, anyways, let's get to our, our message. You... Few quotes about life. Success is follow. I just found these on the internet. I don't. Be honest, you, you. I probably could find people here that know who these people are. I don't know all them. Success is following the pattern of life one enjoys. Wow, wouldn't you like to have known that when you were fifteen, sixteen, deciding whether to go to college, whether or not? I've come across a dentist that I just went to yesterday. It's my second time with him. I broke a tooth about two weeks ago and. 
hadn't been to the dentist in 10 years, and so I'm going to the dentist now with a broke tooth. It hurts. I met this guy, and he said, I just love the Lord and love to do dentistry. He don't even eat all day. He just goes, goes, goes. And I'm thinking, wow, what a wonderful thing, man. This guy drive you crazy. You know, and he's, I hear him in the background. He, he, he has a patient that has to sit there for a while and wait on something. Do you like to read? Find out what they like, what they like in life, blah, blah, blah. And he goes and finds an interesting book or an ad, and he goes, here, here, open this back to the epilogue. He tells me, I'm, I'm sure you like sports. You like Jim Trestle? I said, yeah, I love it. Here, I want you to read this epilogue. And he, he turns the epilogue in Jim Trestle's book and wants me to read it, and it's all highlighted and everything. He does that to the customers that have to, like, kind of lay there for a while, you know, waiting on numbing or things like that. And I thought, this guy is ate up with his purpose in life. I mean, to first look at him, you would, you wouldn't, you'd kind of laugh, you know. And he's just a great guy. And he just, this last time I was there, he goes, "I just, I just love dentistry." He goes, "That's what God's called me to." And I'm like, "He's got buttons on the ceiling, you know, these little pins you wear, you know, so you can read buttons all day long while you're in his chair." But it was kind of like, I was like, my first time there, I was like, "I hate the dentist. I hate coming here. You're gonna stick metal things in my mouth. You're gonna grind things." It's just an unpleasant experience, and I found myself falling asleep there my first visit. Not because he gave me gas, but just it was the first time I've sat still for a long When you have two, two little boys like I've got, hey, you get in a quiet place like that, you fall asleep. But following the pattern of life one enjoys, you know, he definitely does that. The best things to do with the best things in life is to give them up. I'm not talking about if you love, remember that poem, I seen it on everybody's wall probably back in the 80s, if you, that which you love, if you set it free and it comes back to you, it's yours, if it doesn't, anybody else remember that, if it doesn't, it never was, I don't know, maybe it's true, I didn't like that kind of stuff, but uh, it's true, sometimes the best things to give up in life, uh, or the best things to do in life with, is to give up the best things, and I thought about that, and I guess I, maybe I thought about uh, maybe about hobbies or about uh, uh, luxuries in life. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I think it's good that if we as human beings could get back to the earth. I've told my wife, I went to an Amish guy and had him process a deer for me the other day, and I thought, I want to take like a four or five day Amish retreat where I just go live with the Amish. I thought, their world is nothing like ours. And if you think that about lost people that don't serve the Lord, their world is nothing like ours. They don't have a hope of something supernatural to carry them through rough times. They don't have a hope that something is out there that has just perfect love waiting for them. They don't have hope of something that can set them free from their bondage. They don't. I was talking to Aaron yesterday, and he was talking about a song that he knows and how it talks about... um, people spending their Christmas Eve in bars and and his heart broke for that and I thought wow you know that's true I thought do we get outside of where we're at enough to find out what other people go through and uh, do are you willing let me ask you in this life in this life in, in your walk in your path of life are you willing to give up something you really love for God to take you to somewhere you've never been are you are you willing I've got something I love very dearly, but if it will love, it's a material thing that I love very dearly, and I and God 100% gave it to me. I, I don't, I didn't get it on my own. I, I did some work for that thing, a lot of work, <laughs> but I would give it up today. I love it, and I don't want to. I, I I want it to be part of my family's life, but I would I would give it up if God would say it's going to be better for you if you do. I would do it. So, um, help me. I measured out my life, and here's just a light one. Who's coffee drinker in here? I'm a coffee drinker. So I seen this one. I thought I got to put it up here. I measured out my life with coffee spoons. Whoever George Elliott is, I think he is he an author, huh? The best use of life is to spend it for something that outlasts life. It's like this song, "Words and Mighty Save." I give my life to follow everything I believe in. I thought about that. The other day I was at work and I thought, man, I wished I had another uh, Christian brother or sister in the Lord right now to talk to thinking if, if I, as a Christian, it, the Bible is my example. It is the best story. It is the best thing offered. And, and so I patterned my life after that. I thought, well, let's pick the Bible up. Who do I pattern my life after in the Bible? 
And I thought, well, of course, everybody. Do I do it? The, 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 the leaders in the Old Testament, the priests, uh, the prophets. Uh, would I do it? Uh, would Jesus be my, I mean, example to mean like, okay, he lived like this, you live like this. She lived like this, you live like that. And I, I guess I was questioning the Lord, what way should I live? How should I uh, do my life? And I thought, would Jesus be our, I thought, well, Jesus is our example. He, he's by far our greatest example. I thought, well, let's think of how Jesus, let me think of the life that Jesus lived. Uh, he didn't have much. He was born into a poor family. Me too. I thought, well, I'm like Jesus. Born into a poor family. Um, as far as the world standard, still pretty poor, but I feel very rich. Um, I thought, wow, Jesus, uh, he was a carpenter. Me too. I'm a construction worker. Man, I'm like, right like Jesus, ain't I? <laughs> you like my English? But I thought, I'm just like Jesus is. I thought, I'm doing pretty good, you know. And I thought, but he's got all these things like grace, mercy, and love. And I thought, but he's God. He's God. That's where we talk about in school. You talk about he's the incarnate flesh. Meaning he is fully God, but he's fully man. He fully took on flesh and suffered and was tempted in all manners and like ways, the Bible says, as we were. So I thought, but he's God. So he's got that God thing going on to help him have all them wonderful attributes. I thought, well, he lived without a home, and he just kind of journeyed around. And I thought, well... I don't know, can we live without a home? I thought, well, some people live without a home. And you're looking at me thinking, wow, this guy's crazy, man. Is he going to give his house up? But, and I thought, but he lived so, the greatest thing I look at Jesus and, and, and with the disciples, they lived um, carefree. I mean, it's all, we only know part of their lives for sure from the Bible. But they definitely abandoned. When Jesus called disciples, they abandoned when Jesus went out, he didn't take anything with him. He was willing to just do as his heavenly father done. And I'm not saying God wants me to live without a house or to live dirt poor. But I'm saying this. Have I, as a Christian, honestly hit my knees before the Lord and say, am I honestly doing what you want me to do? Because I felt like that's what Jesus did. He surrendered everything. We sing songs about surrendering. Uh, that. Next line there says, I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Um, and I guess in my life right now, uh, in all my life, I know when I first came to a home group here, they thought I was nuts because I almost thought that we should live like that. But that's crazy. But I guess the bottom line is, do, do we really, have you really spent time with the Lord and say, am I doing what you want me to do? It is in our lives and not in our words that our religion must be read. Think about that. Do people watch us? I told some, somebody one time in, in, in worship ministry, one thing you're going to find out is they'll watch you. You're watched. When you get up on this platform, you're watched. When you step up here, you're automatically, it's kind of nice how we let other people do things up here now, offering, because I'm thinking, uh-huh, they're getting watched too. They're going to get nitpicked too. But anyways, uh, scrutinized. Our lives are scrutinized as Christians. I don't know about you, but uh, they are. People look at you, and they're trying to figure out to what depth are you or to what faith are you or do you truly live it out. And uh, uh, it is in our lives and not in our words that our religion must be read. Is not what we get, but who we become. What we contribute that gives meaning to our lives. My brother, and he used to live it, buddy, used to be a guy that said he with the most toys wins in the end. My brother was <coughs> caught red-handed one time with a roll of about $8,000 and 100 bills hid in one of his dresser drawers from his wife. She didn't know he had it because he works his guts out and he made good money. And uh, he liked toys. And it, I can say for guys my age, my brother, for, for his financial status, being a bricklayer and doing bricklaying work on the side, has had more toys than anybody I know. Um, now he's not into it so much. He has three babies, three little ones, and, uh, you know, his funds has ran out. So, um, And his toys have too, but he has had everything in life, but he will tell you today. It's what we give, what we contribute, who we are uh, is the true meaning of life.
Reverence for life affords me my fundamental principle of morality. Reverence for life. Do you reverence the fact that every day that we possess is precious? I've kind of been in this, this mode, and I talked to uh, somebody yesterday, and he's kind of in the same mode too. It seems like if we get any free time, the first thing we want to do is run home to our family. Used to be if I had any free time, I wanted to go hunting. I wanted to be outdoors. I wanted to work, mostly work. And it's because I realize every moment is precious. I watched my little boy's hands doing something today, and I thought it's just like they come alive every day. Watch this, Daddy. Watch this. Who taught him to say, watch this, Daddy? Or I do, I do. No, no, you know, of course they learned that. They learned that from us. But uh, it just amazes me of how they come more, I call it coming more and more alive every day. And do we reverence? uh, I've noticed myself making phone calls, saying things in emails that kind of sound a little queerish to me, that's a little soft. I'm not a soft I'm, I am a soft guy. There's an extreme soft side to me, good-hearted side. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, I say things, you know, that I didn't used to. I didn't used to tell people, hey, I, I could not tell you how much I appreciate you or what you do or who you are or the example you have been to me. Are you the, f- I don't know what would take me to say that right now. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. I think about the scripture, if you have two, you give one. I thought we give 50%. I thought about asking my wife the other day, let's give away half of our savings. Oh, it's not much. Believe me, it's not like I've got something laid up in the stock market and anything like that. But I thought, well, it'd be easy for me because I don't have much. But then I thought, uh, but it's half of what I have. I thought about that. I thought, do we truly... And what led me there was, I was talking to a lady that I love very dearly a while back in the past month or two. She was a dear Christian lady. She was talking about church attendance. Her church is different than ours. They kind of like you to go three times a week. They don't have home group. And uh, I'm just thinking, wow, three times a week of people just sitting there getting preached at and a few songs, I'm thinking, do they really get time to share their life with their brothers and sisters like we do at home group, you know? I thought, wow, that kind of disturbs me. And, and she was just expressing her thoughts. She can't. She doesn't understand why people allow their church attendance to grow to to not be good, you know, or and or why uh, she probably wouldn't be proud of me dressed like this today, supposedly bringing a message, you know. And I don't know. I'm thinking Bible, and I and she talked about that the dress in church and. And she's not hung up or a terribly religious lady. She loves the Lord. She's a great example to me, and I love her. And, and uh, oh, she's a shoe-in in heaven as well as I am or any of you. So, um, But I thought about that, and I said, well, let's talk about what the Bible says about dress. I said, the Bible says we should dress modestly. And I said, this pretty daggone modestly dressed. I don't know, but you're not, like, I could pull my arms up. My sleeves up, and you can see my biceps. It might turn somebody on. I don't know, but I don't really have any, but that's why I wear sleeves. But I'm just thinking about that, you know? And then when I said something about church attendance, I said, well, let's read, the, let's read in the New Testament what the Bible says about church. Can you quote me any scriptures? Well, I just think, I said, I don't care what you just think. I care what the Bible says. That's why I guess in my life I, I, I think about things. If you have two, give one. I wouldn't hesitate, you know, to give one of my coats away. I've got probably seven or eight. If I've, if, I mean, I know there's people in need, but uh, we've all got many. I guess it's just questions I ask. It's things I do in my life, in my relationship with the Lord, that I seriously ask questions like that to him. What would you want me to do? What, you know, how would you want me to behave? And I looked at that lady and I said, well, let's read what the, the most of the New Testament Scripture talks about when the church got started, people went from house to house, giving thanks and breaking bread. All they attended their synagogue once a week. You know, I guess, I guess there probably was a big difference when people went from being like Old Testament to New Testament Christians, if you could say that. But when they came to know Christ, but I said, really, we don't have anywhere where your denomination says, we're going to do it Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. That's just something man made up. 
Oh, come on. You know, then they, well, let's talk about something else. I thought, wow, this lady served the Lord for years. I mean, the Lord's done a great work in her life, but I thought about that. And I thought, I guess I thought today things that I do in life. Do I really do things in life because God approves of that? And God says, Patrick, yeah, that is you. That's what I've called you to do. And that's fine, you know. Or do I do it because church triumphant does it? Uh, you know, anything that we do, you know, do you, and I'm thankful we're not hung up on so many things, but I guess in your own personal life, do you serve the Lord on the basis because you know him or um, because it's just what you've seen patterned in your life? One life, a little gleam of time between two eternities. Kind of neat thing when I brought this up, it's going to take me, the next thing I'll bring up is my, me, is my title of my message. But one life dash a little gleam of time between two eternities. So, what about the dash? Aaron, a while back, and I think it was in his video series, or in the video with, uh, what was it, uh, George C. Scott, showed him in the grave there. What was that scary movie's name you showed here? Huh? Christmas Carol. Man, when I grew up, I didn't watch scary movies. Now you're going to say I'm soft now. I did not watch scary movies. I don't know. When I seen some of that and I heard the, I thought, that's scary noise, man. I went to a haunted house one time as a teenager, and I hit a guy and got arrested. (laughs) Before I got out of that haunted house, they didn't take me to jail, but they handcuffed me and bound me and took me out in the parking lot. A guy jumped out from behind something and scared me. And I don't know, nowadays, they've they got this saying, people do. We don't roll like that. Well, back then, we didn't have that saying. But my people, where we grew up, you didn't roll like that. You didn't jump out from behind something and scare me because you're going to get your clock. You're going to get cold cock. So old boy jumped around from behind something with something on it. Pow! And I just hit him. Next thing I know, here we are going through this scary haunted house, you know, and the walls are in on you and everything. Next thing I know, a door opens and I get jerked behind it and two sheriffs are putting me under arrest. For what? They said, you assaulted a worker here. I said, daggone it, he scared the daylights out of me. But anyways, scary movie in church. I never heard of such a thing. But... (laughs) I did not watch. I remember one time I tried to watch Halloween. My sister was watching. She's five years older than me, and I was under the blankets peeking out. Then finally I had to leave the room. I said, no, this is scary. I don't watch scary movies. So I don't watch scary movies. So what about the dash? Aaron talked about that that day in the the tombstone. I'll go to it next. What dash are we talking about? We're talking about this dash. This is my life, as a matter of fact. And you're like, wow, you know when you're leaving? I hope I stay that long. And uh, what about the dash? What about, it seems like always when we go to graveyards, the, the, the day they were born, and we know those two days. But we don't know much about that. I really wanted to take that dash if I could. I'm not smart enough how to figure that out. Make it, make it grow into a chronological order line with with some other slashes this way and could tell some things about your life. If that, just imagine that thing grows and there's a chronological line of you, of your life. What would it say? Say we put the bad things underneath. Say we put the God things on top. Say we put the good things in the middle. And what would it look like? How would you want it to look different? How would you want it to look different? Some definitions of life. The quality that distinguishes a vital and functional being from a dead body. I've been around some church people. I haven't been around any here, but I've been around some church people before. Boy, their life is not like a vital and functional being. It's like something that's dead. And I I thought about that. Do you feel like your life is vital, is functional? Next definition, the period from birth to death. We talked about that, a specific phase of earthly existence. And I like this next one from Webster's Dictionary. Uh, spiritual existence transcending physical death. And we're all thankful for that, for a place that exists where we truly never die. Uh, but we just live out eternity there. Scripture. John 10.10 10 says this. I have come. This is another thing that. Like, 
the two, if you have two, give one. So this is another one that concerns me. I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. Or I learned in King James Version, life more abundantly. I kind of have a quirk thinking nobody memorizes scripture unless it's King James. But maybe it could be where I got saved and came up because all they did was King James. I can't quote a scripture unless I quote it in King James. Seek, seek ye not. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all, see, I, I just quote King James. I feel like, I don't know if it's just more godly or, I don't study King James, but uh, anyways, it's just kind of a thing I have. Do you feel like your life is more abundant? Do you feel like your life is abundant or it's lack? Do you feel like you have an abundance or you have lack? Do you feel like your life is more towards looking towards abundance, what you see or lack of what you don't see? Um, would you like it to be different? I have some questions we're going to ask. How is your life? How is it? Is it lacking adventure and you need adventure? I, I told my wife probably two years ago, or maybe shortly after finishing the house, I just need some adventure. You'd have thought after building a house you had enough adventure and ready to rest, but um, that I needed some adventure. And it's kind of scary because uh, I'm asked the first time too, Eldridge. Yeah, read Wild at Heart. I read the book by John Elders, Wild at Heart. He said, that's the reason most men cheat on their wives, searching for adventure. I'm definitely not going to do that. I stand before you and hold me accountable, all my accountability people. But um, sometimes, I guess, thinking of me as a person, learning, my, learning who I am and who I am in Christ and really what makes me tick. You know, the, the one scripture I came across this week, it talks, it, the Bible says that he, he says, God says, that he knows what causes us to rise up and what causes us to sit down. He knows what makes us happy, and he knows what makes us sad. He knows what gets our goose is a saying that I say, something that really gets my heart, and he knows something that does not get my heart, something I can't stand to see. And I thought about that. How is your life? Is it, is it living out in, in an abundant way? Is it life, truly life, that's vital? Or is it just living, just surviving? I would venture to say there are, there's people here today, there's somebody here today that say, sometimes I feel like it's just living and it lacks some. Normal or phenomenal? Is it just normal or is there phenomenal things happening in your life? I, I told them at the first service, that it was kind of phenomenal to me that I seen dashes in a couple things like a quote and then a Bible verse. There were some dashes. Today's English version of the one scripture, there was a dash. And I thought that was kind of, kind of phenomenal, you know. I, I try not to miss the small things in life. What about your life? Do you like or do you dislike? Eric, you say this. Is your life mundane? Is it normal? Do something different. If there's something about it you don't like, change it. Now, we know that that's not like find another spouse or up and leave your house and let the bank have it. You know, I think that's a sad thing to do. I think you ought to stay there until they make you get out or God works a miracle. But um, what about it do you like or dislike? What would you do different? My wife asked me the other day, what are we going to do different this year? What's going to make our life better this year, she asked me. We have a, like, end-of-the-year talk. Are you pursuing your passion or what captures you. I've talked about this a little bit, and I guess I see it on a, on a man's point of view. Um, and it maybe could be partly of how I grew up uh, since 22 years old in church. Uh, men, I'll speak to men. We get saved, we come to church, we sit in a soft pew, it's too warm today, and we fall asleep. And men are not used to having somebody just talk to them, them listen. And then your wife wants you to just, she wants you to go home and she wants you to hang out with her, take care of things in the house. And you hunt too much, you go to the car races too much. Men want this and they want the big screen and, and they want to hunt. I don't know, some men do. They want to hunt. Some men want to race cars. And some, you know, I heard people say, wow, if I get saved, I got to give up fishing. Well, I hope that you don't. Somebody here, you probably used to fish. Rico, he's not here any longer, but I hope you don't if that's your passion. Or if I get saved, I'll probably have to give up hunting. Why? They killed animals in the Bible. There's nothing wrong with it. God gave them to us for us to eat. Oh, if I get saved, I'll probably have to give up bowling. 
Why would you have to give up bowling? Well, there's church on Wednesday night, you know. I've been part of this bowling league for 10 or 12 years, and, you know, she's asked me to come to church, and I'd kind of like to go to the Christmas cantata with her just to make her happy and get her to hush, but, you know. But then she's going to want me to come all the time. And blah, 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 blah. I know this is true. I've talked to men. I, I knew one guy said this. He said, if I got saved, I'd probably have to give up hunting and fishing. I'd definitely have to start giving my money. I hope we don't put that off as Christians toward the unsaved world. Because you know what? That guy hunts with some unsaved people. He fishes with some unsaved workers that he works with. And it's not about his money. If God just gets his heart, if God just gets your heart, your life will be different. If I quit holding on to part of myself and continue to give him fully, myself fully to him, my life will be different. Phil Driscoll said this years ago when I was in Bible college, if you know Phil, he... That's Phil Driscoll, isn't he? He's a big horn, Christian horn player, you know. He said it was the anointing that kept him alive through his drug abuse before he knew Christ. I, I believe that could be true. But anyways, uh, Phil said the problem he has, he, this, was, this was years ago, he said, I don't have a problem with people, Christians, going and playing on secular venues. The problem I have is they don't take the message with them. I personally don't care how much you attend church because I can't say anything. I'm not your judge. Only God judges you by that. I do care that wherever you're going, you're taking the gospel with you, and somehow you're keeping yourself in right relationship with God, not by ignoring God's people. But And that dear lady that I was telling you about earlier, she quoted that scripture, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, even the more as you see the day approaching. And, and, and it means don't forsake hiding out around Christian brothers and sisters that are going to help you to live right, even the more as we know Christ is coming. Are you pursuing your passion? Your passion should never lead you away from the thought of, it, should, it never leads you away from Christ, your passion. Unless it's an ungodly passion, but I, I'm talking about just things. Or what captures you. So, uh, and I, I thought about that. I thought about men coming into a church and, and, and that aspect. And, and things are just different, you know. So we may not have extreme problem with that here, but... Uh, I worry sometimes, like, if I went back to the things that concern me, I'm concerned with, with men in today's society. I'm concerned that, uh, I don't mean to sound, I'm not meaning I'm better, I'm different. I'll say I'm different. I just, I want men to be men. I don't want the, the culture tearing that down. Good scripture here that will help us to live our lives um, through this, through, and, and the neat thing was when I when I highlighted this scripture and in PC Study Bible and I drug it over, it was right like you see right there. One, two, three. Trust, delight, commit. It broke it up like that, and I thought, boy, that what a great guideline in life. What a great thing. Let's t say to these young people here in church. You think high school, junior high. I'm not, I don't want you to get serious to the point you don't enjoy your young years, but I would like you to get serious about this fact, and you parents also, that you really focus in on your children and where they're going and what they're going to do. And I wasn't raised in church, so I had no idea what I was doing. And, and, but now my children growing up in church, I hope that in their growing, they don't just get to the age where it's graduation, and do I go to college or not, and do, what do I study or what do I not, and what... I hope they sense a calling on their life. Somebody spoke something over my young son, Nathaniel, the baby, said something about him the other day, and I thought, wow, I need to be careful as a parent to focus in on that and see if that's where he's headed in life and that's what God's going to call him to. How much easier it would be. If I ask for a raise of hands right now out of the men in this, I won't do it. I won't do it. But if I ask for an honest-to-goodness hand-raising, out of men in this congregation that you are doing exactly what you wanted to do in life, if, or you're, you have found you are doing now what you love, how would you answer? I gave Burl as an example last service. He, 18 years, Burl that plays the guitar up here, <clears throat> 18 years, Burl, 
fix cars. He went to use car lots, boat places, boat companies, people that sold boats, and he repaired rips and tears in vinyl, in, in, in leather, in upholstery, replaced headliners, fixed cracks in windshields for 18 years. And I remember when he was talking about leaving it, I thought, buddy, you only do that thing about three. I remember for a while he was trying to do it a few days a week and work. And his heart was to be a carpenter, right, Burl? And I remember he was doing the upholstery thing a few days a week and carpentry thing for a while. And I thought, well, he's, at least he's doing it right. Here, here I am trying to figure out Burl's life. But in my own head, I'm thinking. And I remember telling Burl one time, he said, I'm just giving it all up. I'm not going to go repair cars. Anymore. I said, you can't do that. You don't have enough clients lined up, enough work lined up to just jump over into carpentry work. Has it been easy, Burl? Has it been fulfilling? Very fulfilling. Burl loves it. It's what he loves to do. He gets up when he wants to. He works as late as when he wants to. And he's doing what the heck he likes. And it's probably this past year has been a decent year, Burl. Decent year. Wow. How many of you men are saying you're doing what you're doing? I'll tell you how I'm bricklaying. I was working at a bank. Mom begged me to take a soft job for a while. Not, not putting you down if you don't do construction work, but after I got saved, she just thought construction workers are so terrible sinners. I don't want my son around that. He drank and partied with them. He's going to wind back in that. That's what she thought in her mind. Begged me to get a, a job at the bank, you know, where everybody's saved and serve the Lord and nobody does anything corrupt. <laughs> do you work at a bank? Oh, she's laughing pretty hard like she does. And if you do that, Patrick, I'll let you live here. I'll even help you to buy clothes because I had to wear nice clothes. I'll help you to buy clothes because you're not going to make a lot of money. But stick it out because you're a man and you have what it takes. They're going to like you and you're going to go far. Truth, I could have stayed there and by today I would have been making as much as I do, probably more bricklaying. But as I worked, I looked outside and I thought, I want to be outside. That's what I do. I'm a kind of earthy kind of guy. You know, so I would say, can I bring some regular clothes in and change and, and sweep the walks, the uh, snow off the walks and put the salt out? And you won't have to pay that guy no more to do it. I'd just be part of my job. Oh, we love it. And then I'd clean all the ladies' cars off and warm it up, you know. Their cars would be warmed up, melted off, you know. They wanted to take me home. But uh, <laughs> And then I thought, man, I just, I'd go home. And I was just in a point in my life where I had no driver's license. I was going through a lot of mess where I'd been running from the law. I was on, uh, just about to go to prison for a while, and I thought, I just can't do it, you know, and no driver's license, so I was being a Christian trying to abide by the law, and I had to take a second job because the bank just did not wear me out enough where I could sleep. My life wasn't, you know, and I, I didn't have anything I was doing outside of working at the bank because I didn't have a car. What was I going to do, you know? Can you hold me? You know, and then you ask a girl out. You know how manly that feels? Hey, babe, you want to go out? Yeah, oh, yeah, she wants to. Can you drive? You know, you know, and anyway, so I didn't do a lot of dating. But anyways, uh, so I took another job working at EDS, electronic data systems, where it was computers and stuff like that, and it just was wearing me out, you know. And I, because it was wearing me out because I was doing jobs that I was having to learn a lot of new things. It wasn't construction. And I realized that I was kind of, and I ended up giving them all up. I was working 70 hours a week trying to wear my body out enough because construction will. So I went back to construction work because that's kind of what I'm built for. And um, I know that that's part of my life. Now that I'm getting older, I mean, I'm not old, but I'm be 40 this year. I'm, I'm like liking kind of both of them. I don't know if I'll ever end up in a manager's, manager construction or at least something Something that I could work indoors part of the day and outside part of the day. I'll say that. I really don't care at this point what it is. But could I say that I wound up in that Brickland job because I was doing those two office jobs. And I said, I'd like to make about this much money. And my brother said, the union is taking applications. You want to try? I said, why, why, why the heck not? Let's do that. Them guys make good money. That's how I wound up Brickland. I like it. But if I could go back to when I was a young boy and realize what I really wanted to do and what I would have pursued, would I have pursued masonry work? I'll tell you today, I would not. Is that you today? Is that where your little boy is headed? Is that where your girls are headed? Is that where you and your wife are headed? Everything else is just material in this life. Uh, 
we'll stand before Christ one day and give an account for what we did. I, I'm not th- I don't think he's going to look down on me for being a bricklayer by no means, but it makes it much better in this life. Maybe I am speaking to parents today and for your children. It makes it much better in life. We all know if we get into what we love, we stay in it, and we allow Christ to lead us through that. And if we do those three things, if we trust in the Lord and do good, if we dwell in the land, just dwell. Quit running off. And we feed on his faithfulness. Just believe and trust God in the small faithful things. If we delight ourselves also in the Lord, that he shall give us the desires of our heart. I said this twofold. I thought that's a scripture that confuses me. If you have two, give one. That confuses me. Give you the desires of your heart. People used to say, well, I'd like to do this. Did God give that desire or is God going to make it possible for you to do that? Either way, it's God. Either way. So it's not a bad thing. Uh, now, I'd say if you've got some lustful desires in your heart and you need cleanse. But, and then when you delight yourself in the Lord and you trust him and he's going to give you the desires of your heart, commit your way to the Lord. You know, probably not all of us will walk away, away today in our lives. We can look back at the end of this year and say, wow, it's because of that, you know, not because of me, but because of the message. And I, I don't have a lot. I, I would say this today. I don't have a lot of things to tell you how to change it other than one thing, to lead you to the cross, to Jesus Christ. Because he guides us in all ways. Just like there, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. The last thing I want you to do is saying, wow, I'm getting Patrick's sermon notes. I'm following those things. And by the end of this year, next year, we're going to have a hugely fulfilled life. You know, learn to appreciate things that are small. The smaller things in life. Learn to appreciate the one, the, one of the greatest things that's happened to me in my Christian walk. I shared my testimony with somebody that knew me before Christ. Somebody that lived away from me, lived far out of town. Someone that I was friends with. I I didn't say this in the first service. My wife's going to kill me because I have to tell her. And we were friends as young teenagers at a place that I went to on the weekends away from home. It was camp. And nothing terribly physically ever happened. I'll say that. Just friends. And we stayed in phone contact for years, man. It was kind of strange, and she was just a great, and we tried dating. Well, I'll just say this. I got saved, and I I made a couple phone calls to people because I called her at times when I was in jail or I was in a terrible mess. And I called her, and I called a girl that I was engaged to for five and a half years and told them both about my change that Christ had brought into my life. But this girl that I called that lived up north, where you're living, I called her and told her what had happened. She freaked out. So she, we started talking, you know, nothing ever. And, and she, we just started talking. And she was raised Catholic, went to a Catholic school. I just thought, you know, I don't know if there's, I, I didn't really pressure her to believe my way or anything. But she so much saw the change that God had made in my life. And do I think today you have to be under a terrible addiction and get delivered from that to cause that change? No. I'll tell you right now, when your friends, when your unsaved loved ones, when your unsaved friends believe, see that you believe this and that you live it to the stinking T, not that you're perfect, but you do that. You do trust in the Lord, not in the news, not in your economy, not in your new president. Not in your social club, not in the Masonic Lodge or the Kiwanis or whoever else, but you trust in this. You don't have to be a person of addiction and be delivered from that. When they see that that, this is you, they will become attracted to your lifestyle, and you're going to lead someone to Christ. But that young girl, I wouldn't say young, she was my age. I remember one night we were having church. I think maybe I was leading. I don't think I was leading music. I remember she showed up at my church from, from up north Ohio. She lived, and she came to my church on a Sunday morning dressed in a dress, and she's like a tomboy. I thought, what? What's wrong with her? I thought maybe she feels like she needs to dress like that to come here. And she told me, she said, I went to, a, you ever heard of a charismatic church? I said, no, I never heard of one. She said, there's a new one. They're meeting in like an old Bonanza restaurant up in our town. I was like, yeah. And she goes, you ever heard of the power team? At that time, I never heard of the power team. I was in an old-fashioned Pentecostal church. Never heard of the power team. She said, I went. And I, she said, I got saved. I said, you did what? I got saved. She said, the life, what happened in your life so attracted me. She said, I don't know how, but somebody invited me to go there, and I went. And she said, I realized that what I'd been living in my life wasn't the truth. And 
And we became friends, and she was led to the Lord. But through my stupidity, through my religious thoughts, through me not really knowing the Lord and knowing the Bible, I would venture to say I probably turned her away from the gospel because I didn't think she was doing it the way I thought it should be done. Wow. Did I go back and make my wrongs right? I tried as well as I could. Is your life attractive? They stand if you would. Thomas is going to play a song to, to dismiss. Is your life attractive? Do you want your life to be attractive? Let me say, do you live it? If there is an it, if there is a perfect, or I won't say perfect, we're out of that. If there is a certain, if we could put something up here and say this is the Christian life that we look towards here on earth, do you live it? Do you want to live it? Do you say I live it when I'm here, I live it when I'm at home group? But does it go with you everywhere you go? When you drive by, I don't know, I drive by Krispy Kreme and you think it's weird, but I see lonely people. I see people that don't. I've been by there on a Sunday evening and I just automatically think, I, I, maybe not exactly those, but I think of this, I think. People are hanging out somewhere where it's sober and they don't have people like us, people of faith they hang with does it break your heart does it break your heart that you can't reach your family I heard this song today that just put something into monitors Thomas I can hear it just broke me this service is not like last service I'll tell you this I was wound up last service. I just talked to you, really. It is overwhelming. Listen to the words of this song. I'm just going to meditate on the Lord and His goodness. And just listen to the words of this song. at you today do you want to sit at his feet he's got this cup he's got this thing full of something that he wants to offer you can you say that in your life in your Christian walk that you've taken time to sit at his feet to drink from his cup to lean back in his breast and to feel his heartbeat my gosh if nothing else changed in my life but that if nothing else in my life changed, but I could say that. else in your life or my life if not, I don't speak for you if nothing else in my life changes but this that I can say that I know that I've spent time at his feet that I've drank from the cup that cup that life of, I believe that cup represents life that he has for us that I can say that I've leaned back in his breast and I felt his heartbeat that I felt the breath of him breathing him affirming me when that stops, Thomas, just play it again. That I felt his affirmation, that I know his affirmation, that he's affirming my life. 
that my relationship is so deep with him. If nothing else in my life changes but just that, if I could honestly say that I know that I'm that close to him at times, not every day, but at times I take time out for that, for him to direct my life and lead me to where he wants to, I can say this, my life's full of adventures. I can take you to the places in the road where God's pulled me over and spoke to me. I can take you there. The weird thing was both of them were on country roads two times I'm thinking of now and I can almost take you to the daggone fence post where it happened it was at those times in my life when God spoke to me and my life was drastically changed things in my life changed material things in my life changed physical things definitely spiritual things changed my locations changed my calling in life changed at those points Gosh, I would love to be there. I would love to be the place saying, God, I really didn't want Brickland. I really don't want to be in Brickland. But I would like to come to the place where I, I, I just love going and doing that. I don't necessarily hate it. I'll admit that. I don't. There's been times I've worked for people that I could run to work every day, loved it so much. I'm not there right now. And I've asked the Lord, is it my fault? If nothing else in your life changes. If you could just be that person right there. Oh, oh, how much your wife would love you. She would look at you the way she does those little children you have. She would want to embrace you and love you the way that she does your children. Oh, ladies, if you would be found there. Gosh, it's... If you're here today, I guess, and you're in need of prayer, maybe you'll just... No, you'll, maybe some leaders can come forward. Maybe there are people that need that. You need Christ. Let me say that today. Leaders, you can come forward if you would. Thomas will play that again. And, and maybe if that's you and you need prayer today, you'll come. But I will tell you this. I'm not putting any leaders down. I'm not putting any leaders down. It's part of where I come from and who I am. Christ fixes it all. These people here are to facilitate you to help pray with you and to believe something with you, what you would desire. But Christ fixes it all, man. I wouldn't want to turn you to me at all. I wouldn't want to turn you to these people. I want to turn you to Christ. If nothing else in your life changes, but if, you, if we could sense what this song says, you can come and get prayer today. You can come and bow at the altar and just pray to the Lord yourself. You can bow your head and pray where you're at. You can look forward. Pray and seek the Lord. God, let our hearts break for you, Lord. pray that our lives be different. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I pray for, I'm thankful for your love that is so deep, God, that it's more that I can understand. God, I pray that you help us to be people that seek you, that bridge that gap between you and lost humanity, God, I pray that you cause us to be people like that, God, not just to bring them into this building, which I think is the best building to bring him in in Ross County, but but that we bring him to you ultimately, God. I pray that our lives are attractive, God. 
I pray for those, God, that feel like their lives are not complete, they're not vital. I pray that you help them through that, God. I pray that they'll cry out to you today, God. I don't have to pray that you will do it, God. I, I pray that we will do it, God, that we will do our part to reach out to you, God, because you are complete, you are whole, you are perfect. And you long for us to fall to your feet and drink from your cup, God. I thank you for that. If your heart and mind is clear today and you're not in need of prayer, I just ask you today, leave out these sanctuary doors as quietly as you can, as reverently as you can. No talking, please. And just allow those that are just basking in the Lord's presence to be changed. I pray that your life is changed from this day forward. I don't mean drastically. It may be that. I pray God leads you. I pray the Holy Spirit tugs at your heart and you give in to Him. God, we thank you for your spirit that lives within us, God. Connects us to you, Lord. I pray that you have a blessed week. That you return here next Sunday. Looking forward to what God wants to do in our lives. I pray that you make an impact where you're at this week.